Welcome back to the SBP Podcast Mobile Filmmaking. I'm your host, Susie Botello, and you're listening to episode 154. So our guest for this episode is Josh Lasting. He's an attorney with the entertainment industry. The reason why I wanted to get Josh on the podcast is because I think that there's a lot of things that we all need to get educated on when it comes to the legality of content creation and filmmaking. I brought Josh here to explain a few things about filmmaking, things that I think you're going to find as a great resource to you. We're also going to touch on a few topics like AI, uh, copyrights, music licensing, fan films, and, and things like that that you'd expect, of course. But it helps to have someone like Josh explain them to all of us in a simple way so that we can understand things better. Because protecting ourselves while we're creating content is very important for the success of what we create. You put a lot of work in when you're making your films. And one of the worst things that can happen is that you get through making them and then find out that you can't distribute them because you didn't take care of the legal parts. And by the way, he makes the conversation fun. So don't think this is going to be boring one bit. All right. So let's go and talk to Josh. Hey, Josh, how are you over there in Beverly Hills? Hey, hey, Susie. Hey, Susie's listeners. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's a beautiful night in Beverly Hills. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. I am really excited and happy that you are with us. Uh, Guys, uh, Josh is an attorney in the entertainment uh, industry. And he's got some pretty awesome films that he's he's worked with. Uh, which he'll name in a second here. Uh, But I think uh, one of the reasons why I wanted, I don't think that this is the reason, but I know that Josh is going to be a great source of information that you're going to have under your belt so that you'll know and feel more comfortable with the projects that you're working on. And what that's going to do is going to inspire you because uh, you'll sleep better knowing that what you're doing is a-okay, right, Josh? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll try to, this isn't going to be considered legal advice, but we'll try to give you some just good general practice pointers. Exactly. And I do want to, um, now that you bring that up, because it was something I wanted to bring up uh, as well in a minute here, but let's just go ahead and get that over with now. Let's put on an audio disclaimer that, um Nothing that is discussed here should be considered um, personally for you regarding your own project. Um, If you do need some advice, you should definitely contact Josh. And uh, we'll put the link to his website and his social media and everything like that for you to uh, reach out to him and ask him questions regarding your own project. But this will give you peace of mind, at least, for, you know, in, in a general manner. 
it will be entertaining nonetheless. Oh, definitely. But that's your industry. <laughs> <laughs> but that's our industry. Yeah, of that's course. Right. Uh, Josh, why don't you share with us a little bit about your background and what brought you into this uh, crazy field of law, especially today, because there's so much going on in your field. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I have a very kind of common Hollywood story. I'm, I'm not from Hollywood. <laughs> I didn't know anybody in the industry. I'm from a small town in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, um, town of like 300 people. Um, but like growing up my entire life, I knew I wanted to be involved in filmmaking. I, I, you know, watching uh, the the movies growing up as a kid, seeing the behind the scenes, seeing how filmmakers were just so creative and innovative in terms of how they how they took, you know, just a, the most random things and turned them into prop pieces and set pieces. And just just the sheer creativity of the film industry was always such a big draw to me. Um, you know, fast forward a little bit later on into my career, I, I, I knew that law was something that I wanted to practice. I'd always had an analytical mind. It always been very argumentative. I always had an acclimate towards business. Um, but somewhere down the road, I really got the idea of marrying these two interests and, and wanting to focus, you know, on being a business and legal affairs executive for, for the entertainment industry, for, for, for films and television. So, you know, I, I saw really this, this opportunity to kind of bridge the gap between creatives, um, actors, writers, directors, producers, content creators, UCG, um, et cetera, and, and, and take their creative energy and, and my acclimate for business and law and, and kind of help guide them towards creating cool projects. Right. Um, that that's always been kind of my ultimate goal. And so, so I moved out to LA in 2011 I got my first job um, in the uh, uh, accounting department of American Idol, mm. um, doing doing music licensing, so paying for um, the rights to use songs for the show American Idol. Going back to you know your your good advice for filmmaking, right? You have to have the right to use songs that are owned by other people. Um, if you're going to include them in your film and it's no different for a show like American Idol, um, we, we go back and we, you know, audit the show. I, I sat there with a, a stopwatch, right. And watched the show. And we would, we would time out how much of a song is played, how much of a song is sung. And then we had to make sure that the checks, you know, to the publishers and to, to the recording labels matched with those, with those syncs. So that was my very first job, um, in entertainment, it worked for a bunch of cool places. After that, I worked for Lionsgate, um, Discovery Studios. Um, I worked for Marvel, <clears throat> Marvel Studios, Marvel Entertainment for a beat. Um, ultimately, I ended up, you know, working on more of the physical production side of of TV and and filmmaking. Um, working, you know, directly with line producers, unit production managers. Um, to get transportations in place, costumes, wardrobes, set pieces, art department, um, transportation, and, and basically 
anything that goes into the budget that the the film or TV show has to pay for, it would be my job to coordinate with the UPM wine producer to negotiate the deals, handle the paperwork, and make sure that the legality of it all is taken care of. Um, so I call it a lot of like uh, uh, rodeo clown uh, uh, wrangling, um, on any given, uh, indie or indie film or, or TV show. Um, you never know what you're going to get. Um, all of my shows and all of my t- uh, films have been different. Um, I've had shows, you know, that have had, um, a lot of violence and a lot of explosions and a lot of special effects and a lot of guns. Um, and that takes a certain set of skills, um, with regards to, you know, making sure that things are, are, are safe, legally safe, Um, but then I've also had, you know, a lot of simulated sex and a lot of, uh, I've I've had TV shows that I've had orgies and stuff. So every day is different. Every single project is different. Um, every show and film is unique and, and I kind of love it all. Yeah. It sounds like an adventure. Why join the army? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we work with the army. I work with the army a lot when we have to film on military bases, we we directly negotiate with the Pentagon, um, and the U S department of defense when we're, when we're filming, you know, on property owned by, by the, by the state. So yeah, any, any day I really, um, am, am shocked and awed by what can come through the door. That's, that's really exciting. Uh, for anyone who thought law was going to be boring, uh, not in your field, anyways. <laughs> that's for sure. No, no, we're not. We're not your dad's law firm. That's for sure. <laughs> I love that. Um, may have to quote that in somewhere. Um, hey, uh, you were bringing up music, and I wanted to, you know, as we spoke about, and a lot of our listeners here know that I run the International Mobile Film Festival here in San Diego. And uh, we are always telling them, you know, you need your music licensing. Be careful with that. It's always better to, you know, uh, if you have some friends that are in a band or composers or something like that, that's always easier than to go out and get music for it. But um, there are a lot of places online that are telling people you can use any of this for for your films. But um, let me ask you something, because it's something that I give advice to, but I'm not an attorney like you are. So it's better (laughs) that you say this. Um, If you are uh, a musician, right? (laughs) And you're going to, uh, uh, you have a record label, right? They're the ones that authorize and give those licenses out. Correct. Uh, And when they do that, if you say, I'm just going to put it in the background for, you know, this conversation, this dialogue, or I'm going to use it as a montage, that's the music is going to drive that uh, in the film, or I'm going to use it as a transition. With those three different scenarios, those are important. Those are very specific, and you might have to pay more for that. Or may, they may even say, no, not, you were talking about, you know, like a sex scene. Somebody may say, no, not for that, right? 
Yeah, you, you you do have to be upfront and honest when you're talking with the record label and the and the the music publishers in terms of the usage, right? It's one of the things that is negotiated in the music license. How is the song going to be used? Um, usually, it's we we distill it kind of into three categories. There's visual, vocal, meaning there's going to be someone visually on screen performing the song. Uh, background vocal, meaning you can hear it in the background, but you can hear the actual lyrics from the song song or background instrumental meaning it's in the background but you, all you're hearing is just the da 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 das um but but it can get as granular as to what you're saying especially if the artist um the musician is is very particular about their work um i can remember an instance where we were trying to license a tom petty song um, for the the opening sequence of a television series, and that required a lot more negotiation than just using, you know, random uh, library uh, uh, music licenses that that are kind of like stock that people have that companies provide the studios that they can then pick and choose and license the songs from, and they work with the music supervisor, you know, to kind of do that directly. Um, it's it's a different level of negotiation. I'm always shocked and surprised when I hear awesome music in film and TV because I just know how difficult it is to secure, um, you know, a license on something like an ACDC or a Queen song. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I would imagine so. Or even something, you know, really um, did. There's just so many, so many more opportunities to give if you're an indie filmmaker to give an indie artist that exposure you know, um, and it's absolutely, uh, it's just, I, I really, I personally believe that that's something. And just to let everyone know that you can also work with, uh, indie composers and musicians as well. Right. Not just the filmmakers. Of course. And you can work with celebrities and you can work with the actors. I mean, we, we talk to everybody, in, in our community here, so. No, no, you know, it, it's really interesting at Lasting Entertainment Law, our clients are not just one particular type of creative. We, we represent actors, we represent writers, directors, producers in the traditional film and television world. Um, but we also represent uh, people who are doing new media, doing user-generated content, doing YouTube and TikTok and OnlyFans. Um, we represent musicians. We represent news correspondents and pundits and comedians. Um, so, you know, really we, we kind of say anyone who's got a creative itch that wants to make cool stuff, we're, we're there to help support the arts. That's awesome. And, and that's what um, that's why I I already like you so much, Josh, because you can <laughs> you can help so many uh, of the people the the content creators who all a lot of them fall into that field. Um, also, filmmakers don't like to be called content creators, so we won't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, okay, I it's want. It's an easy catch-all. It, it's, it's, it's hard to stay away from because it's an easy, easy catch-all. It is, it is, and and some of them get very offended, and others just say it themselves. They consider themselves content creators. So it's kind of you know we're we're going through an evolution uh, in this industry, aren't we? 
We are. We're really at a precipice, you know, in 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 this industry, yeah, but kind of in 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 industry in general, yeah. in in the whole full forefront of labor versus capital. You know, we're really finding what the place of humans are going to be in the world where AI, you know, can do so much. And what a great segue to talk about AI. Yeah. At least, at least, uh, so. <laughs> In in this podcast, um, so we have this uh, this this panel discussion. Uh, the last couple uh, episodes that we had, we couldn't stop talking about AI. Um, oh no! <laughs> you know, and it was like, and I tried to sway. You know, let's go talk about this now, and, and they just kept falling into AI. <laughs> of so, course. So let's let's talk about that. Um, actually. Hold on, and I let, let's talk about something else first. Okay. Uh, and then we'll talk about AI. So hang on, guys. Stay tuned. Hold on. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the differences in copyrights uh, that are out there that can get very confusing. You know, uh, Creative Commons, uh, all rights reserved, things like that. When you see those notices as a content creator, whether you're a filmmaker or not, no matter what, who you are, uh, what do those things mean in normal 12-year-old language? (laughs) Normal 12-year-old language. Um, Goodness. Well, copyright protection isn't something that you need to file with the government or register for. You can, and there are extra protections that you're afforded when you do file a copyright with the government. But copyright protection begins the moment you put pen to paper, the moment that you take an original piece of art from your mind and express it in a a tangible medium. Maybe that's a little bit older than a seven-year-old, but (laughs) when 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 you fix something creative in reality... Under American copyright, under American common law, you have a copyright protection. Um, and and whether or not you keep that to yourself or you publish it online, it doesn't really matter because you're still the owner of that artistic expression. Now, to, to get the full range of benefits under the law, do you want to file for federal copyright protection? Sure, but I think it's a common misconception. People don't realize that you have copyright protection over your work the moment that you you create it. Which is fantastic. One of the one one of the other reasons to love our country, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it but it can certainly make the whole copyright thing confusing, especially where you see you know works online that that seem like they could be for free or that they, they could be for public use. Well, you know, one of the rights that are with, that are enumerated within the Copyright Act is the right of public display. And so just because someone is displaying their artwork publicly, it doesn't give everyone a free license to then use that work. See, and this is how this ties into AI. Now that we exactly. talked about this. So now let's talk about AI. See, guys, I didn't make you wait forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so regarding AI for filmmakers and artists, content creators, writers, you know, uh, actors, all those things that are happening right now. Um, 
obviously there is a benefit with automation and so forth. And I mean, without getting too deep and philosophical, my, you know, people by now know my take um, on this, where I'm just very protective over the human artists. Yeah. Um, but uh, what is your take on, because this is a fluid thing right now. This, there's, there's, it's so new. We're just we're just getting there, right? We're definitely walking a razor's edge. You know, on the one hand, it is it is um, outstanding to me and inspiring to me the way that AI can democratize the creative arts. You know, you can now from the comfort of your home, you know, work on a video, edit it in your own house, have clips and sequencing and dialogue and generate AI and background music. And, and, and that kind of creative freedom just didn't exist when I was a kid, right? We, you know, sitting with a pad and paper coming up with ideas for projects, the, the amount of access that, that, you know, even with your film festival, being able to take your mobile phone out now and to create a, a film that's almost, that's better than what, you know, was produced, you know, for 99 99- percent of filmmaking before that that kind of technology is awe-inspiring but uh, uh, on the one hand but then on the other like you said that, that it, it could very much displace a lot of people it could place a lot of people out of work and it could kind of how do you say uh, uh, o- over time lessen the value of artistic expression yeah and and here this is my issue with it is that the the ingenuity and the creativity of of progression in a, in this industry which art is an industry guys um it can be taken away because ai won't do that that's that's a human thing uh, a human brain thing <clears throat> You know, where we're coming up with our own solutions through our own personal experiences and our uh, career experiences and through other people's experiences that we witness outside of the online world. Uh, AI really is only taking the information that's online, right, and using that. Yeah, AI can't create anything new that doesn't already exist in our current world. Um, which is, you know, kind of exciting to the, to the idea that you think that humanity has always been able to overcome and come up with the next new idea. Mm-hmm. So I am eager to, to see what the human creative expression can become in a post AI world. If we're thinking about it, uh, through an optimistic lens. Um, but the way that I like to kind of explain it is, you know, if it took, uh, five writers before to screw in a light bulb, um, <laughs> But, now, but but now it only takes one writer in AI to screw in a light bulb. That's four writers out of work. So um, there's 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 a lot to be cautious of um, as it relates to replacing and displacing actual workers and and specifically entry level workers those who are kind of going through the motions and going through the practice of of becoming a writer a director a producer uh, an entertainment lawyer even um you know a lot of a lot of those first years especially in hollywood is being made through the struggle right mm-hmm. i i started out at the ca mailroom um someday you know ca might have a mailroom full of robots and they won't need 
need, you know, uh, uh, assistance in the agent training program, but, but that's not what the mailroom is for, right? The mailroom is to, to teach you the ins and outs of the entertainment industry and to kind of, uh, um, and it's very not. private. It's very private. It's not like it's not like um, something that you go and find a tutorial for just about even though you can for just about everything. It's not the same thing as having an experienced, seasoned uh, mentor. Yes, yes. And and my fear and concern is that with AI, that's going to be harder and harder to find those people because the 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 knowledge is going to be contained, you know, with those and and they're not going to be as freely given to entry level right because it's like my last episode my, my the title of it it really is are we mentoring ai yeah you know and and it's like as opposed to mentoring humans so that the person who's doing you know who's mentoring uh at some <clears throat> point will retire from that and when yeah, they go it- away what's left right over time it's it's funny because the way that they train ai is very much how humans are trained you know they they feed it a endless amount of information on a topic let's say english literature and then it becomes an expert in english literature but that's you know i i i was an english literature major i had to go through the process of reading all of the books and you know from chaucer through you know modern day you know uh gatsby and and whatnot but it's like it was being put through all of that that made me who i am so that i can you know help creatives tell those stories I've been on film sets when I've had people say, you know, while I was studying, you know, film and things like that. And I've had someone, uh, I remember this one guy who worked on Little House on the Prairie. He was, he was older. (laughs) Um, And he was telling me things that I never heard in a classroom. I never read in a book and things like that. And he gave me some really good advice that, that I never forgot. Insights that, that are very human you know what I mean? Like something that yep. your grandfather would tell you about why you would, you know, you grew up in, in Iowa, right? Yeah. You know, you get people like that there that will open up and see a young person or someone new to something. And they just tell you all these little things that you think, well, maybe this isn't important, but it is. It is. You know, and and, and film is such a such a it's um it's an industry where it's very privileged you know to enter into and very mysterious in some ways very much what do you think are you are you uh in, in, i'm sure you're representing people that are in the strikes right right now I am. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have a handful of clients that have been impacted by the strikes. Um, but as you know, as a economic ripple effect, all of L.A. and California economy as a whole is going to be impacted by these strikes. Yeah. And it seems like there's no end in sight. And and that's hurting a lot of people. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the issues, the, the, the three biggest issues that they have to get around, um, you know, AI, inflation and residuals, um, I, I don't see a readily apparent or easy solution. Um, and I and I do foresee these strikes going on for some time. Yeah, well, I hope things, good things come out of it, you know, like, like a war, right? 
(laughs) One of the things that I do think is going to come out of it is I think we're going to see an influx of indie films. Um, You know, right now, SAG is feverishly working on granting waivers to indie filmmakers to get their productions back up and running. Um, And, you know, hopefully when the dust kind of settles, it will be, you know, the the big the big institutions that are hurt the most. And we will kind of see a new avant garde, a new wave of of indie filmmaking, um, not unlike that we saw, you know, from 1995 to, to, to 1999. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Uh, one of the things that I've been doing for years with mobile filmmakers um, and mobile filmmaking in general is telling actors to cast themselves, make their own films. You know, yeah. it, it doesn't necessarily mean they have to be behind the camera and directing and acting and all of that at the same time, though some do. Uh, but uh, that they can have a small crew uh, use their smartphone camera the the cost to make to keep themselves out there right I would say that most of the actors that I work with in my circles are are becoming keenly aware that you know be, being a career actor is not paying all of the bills and that they to be a well-rounded you know entertainment industry professional they're getting behind the camera they're getting behind the writing pad or the keyboard um they're writing they're directing they're they're putting projects together they're packaging things so yeah i highly encourage you know everyone to pick up the um um the phone (laughs) if you will pick up the camera phone and and just play around and record certain aspects of their life um you know uh my, i myself I'm, I'm going through the process of you know creating tiktok reels for for the law firm and and to create you know viral video marketing and stuff and it's it's just the world we live in in 2023 well at least you can dance right yeah uh, <laughs> sure <laughs> um something i can't do guys um <laughs> so um another thing that i wanted to just kind of uh go over with you here is uh brands right brands in your films we were talking about that a little bit but um one of the things we have a category called cosplay uh categories um how you know there are fan films being made all the time cosplay is a little bit of falls into that as well i suppose it's probably almost the same definition um, what advice could you give filmmakers that want to make, you know, movies based on, say, Spider-Man or something like that? Yeah, you know, it, it kind of goes back to what we were speaking about earlier. You have to be really careful because technically you are violating somebody's copyright, whether you're cosplaying a character or creating a fan film. Um, I think, again, the question that I'm most commonly asked is, is why is so-and-so allowed to do it or why does this exist on YouTube or why does this happen and that? And the answer boils down to is is that not everything is policed and monitored, nor does everyone want to police and monitor things. You know, Marvel has actually gotten into the business of employing their cos- the, the cosplay actors to help promote their films and TV projects now. Um, so that's a community that they're going to rely on. Uh, it's not a black and white rule. You can do this or you can't do that. 
but it is very much a you kind of have to be aware that you are tiptoeing in dangerous waters. So what would be something, let's say, uh, let's say that I wanted to do a cosplay film, a short film on Wonder Woman. Uh, Mm -hmm. Who would I reach out to and how easy would it be? (laughs) (laughs) Um. (laughs) For something like that, you know, I, I don't think you're going to be able to probably reach Warner Brothers or sort of get their permission. So it's it's one of those things where if you want to create the content, you do it at your own risk. Um, you can try to mitigate that risk by doing things by like, you know, not monetizing it is, is something that's super helpful and obviously not creating anything that's disparaging to the brand or that would otherwise, you know, <clears throat> raise the ire of Warner Brothers Discovery. But you really don't have any, you know, sort of um, how do I say defenses um, if if they were to want to bring a claim. So you have to proceed with proceed proceed with extreme caution. So what I would advise people for our film festival is to actually create your own cosplay characters as opposed yeah. to copying the ones that are out there. Yeah, create your own characters, which is more interesting in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, we always want to see these gender-swapped and race-swapped heroes um, that that have been around for so many years. In in my opinion, I want to see new characters. I want to see new heroes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's there's indie there are there are indie comic books out there. I happen to know uh, a few of them, and I can tell you they're a lot easier to get a hold of than Warner Brothers. If you wanted to yeah. do some cosplay with their characters, um, you know that's a creative way to do it and to to get some help in the storytelling part as well. Yeah. Now, now, do I think as a matter of practicality, Disney is going to start going after cosplayers? No, probably not. But there has been instances where Disney has done things like denied a father from putting a Spider-Man image on his son's tombstone. Uh, That was a case that happened, you know, relatively recently. Um, I've had a number of clients make fan film, Star Wars fan films. They've had the takedown notices sent to them by Disney for putting them on YouTube. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's again, something you, you proceed with caution on. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. Hey, let's talk a little bit about, I guess this, this also touches back on AI. Okay. Now I'm doing it. Sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, this is uh, something that just came out that I read about uh, today. Okay. Uh, this is Zoom. So if you're a okay. content creator or uh, or or a filmmaker or whatever, a lot of people I I'm gonna get, get myself out of this, but I am gonna say I I don't like Zoom uh, per okay. se. I've never really I just never really liked them too much uh, as far as because when they first came out. Josh, you remember, right? In 2020, they weren't ready for the explosion of people that wanted to use them. And yeah. they were they got into trouble about privacy issues. And okay. and then they they sort of mellowed out. They, you know, okay, we're not going to, you know, we got some people, we we hired people to help us with this. We're not going to use um I think there was like problems with their software where it wasn't private even though they were supposed to be there was something going on now they're back in the news because they just came out with new terms um and they want to use ai 
to train to train their AI because everybody wants to use AI now um, <laughs> using uh, the content of private conversations, basically. Oh, wow. So um, what, you know, I mean, technically everything. I mean, I, I read these things. I just I just got on threads uh, when they came out. But mm -hmm. I literally read all 600 of those stupid pages of and found out, you know, actually, I'm already on Instagram. They already got me. It's basically the right. same thing. Um, yeah. But, you know, a lot of people don't read these things. And then when they read them, it's very confusing. Yeah. What are some terms in some of these things that you see that uh, may help people decipher these things a little better? Well, I, I don't know that you're ever going to be able to really decipher them so much as we need to figure out some kind of way to, to curtail or nip these, you know, sort of things in the bud. Um, and that can really only be done with legislation, you know, going back to the whole AI thing and even where we're at with SAG and the strike and the WJ and, and the pickets and stuff, you know, we can try to come to an agreement with the studios and, and with private corporations as to how they will use our data and technology and uh, how they will use our information to train their AI. But ultimately, they're the power brokers, right? They're the, the Facebooks and the Googles of the world. We as the consumers have very little power. Um, the only way that we're going to really be able to have any protection is if the government kind of steps in. Um, and we kind of, uh, at least as it relates to film and TV, you know, New York has proposed legislation that would essentially take away their take away a, a film studios tax incentive um, for displacing its workers with AI. So, um, you know, rather than getting into the fine print of what what you're selling your soul away from, you know, signing up on these social media sites, um, I, I think it would just be easier if we had some sort of government oversight and regulation of, as to the whole thing. Well, what do you think of this idea that um, that I have that um, basically with the government, right, uh, they hire you, Josh, to write okay. a, a standard boilerplate that says all of the privacy policies say this. And that way, you don't have to go in there and read 600 pages where they slip in things. Um, I remember, it, I think you mentioned, uh, uh, I think it was like 2014 or something like that. And, and around that time, I was reading the privacy policy of an app. Mm. And <laughs> I, I remember I actually emailed them because it said that it wanted, it had the right to uh, get all my health information. Now, this is before the iPhone, the smartphone, right, was that complicated where it does right. have, you know, health information. And it said my medical records. That's what it said. It had act. I was giving them access to my medical records, and I was like, "Wait, what?" I contacted them, and the founder uh, said to me, <laughs> "He said, well, we just copy and paste from other companies. I guess we forgot to delete that part.'" 
that does not shock or surprise me no. at all. Not at all. As someone who writes the fine print for those things, um, I've seen it a number of times where people have just blatantly copy and pasted things from previous agreements or from other people's agreements um, and, and didn't do the due diligence enough to, to proofread or check out that there isn't anything in there that didn't that isn't supposed to be. Um, and he literally yeah. also said, nobody's ever caught that. Oh, my God. We'll take that out right now. <laughs> um, for, for a lot of the production stuff, you know, that I work on, you know, if I'm working on an Amazon show or an Apple show, it is my job to go online and print out the standard terms and conditions and flag and read them to make sure that they can pour with, you know, Apple and Amazon's studios, you know, production and legal standards. So, so while, while the average person can't just print off those standard terms and conditions and negotiate them, um, if you're Amazon Studios or your Netflix or your Apple, then, then you kind of can. You know, speaking of, I don't know if you're aware of this or not. You might be aware because you're, you're an intelligent guy. Uh, <laughs> so uh, smartphone films now include feature films. And the distribution on those is pretty much the same as you were talking about Marvel movies. They're mm-hmm. they're now on Tubi. They're now on Amazon. Uh, they're in all a lot of the major distribution uh, streaming sites. Uh, some of them are getting theatrical releases and things like that. With things like that, uh, knowing that, would you advise people when they're they're going through these things? I think they should. I think that it won't cost them an arm and a leg. I, I'm sure you have reasonable fees, right, for smartphone filmmakers who are making feature films to sign on to a distribution deal. Would you, I mean, I would say don't ever enter into a distribution contract without them. I, I worked for a distributor before. Um, mm-hmm. and there's, there's one thing that a lot of people forget about, which is exclusive and non-exclusive, very important terminology in those contracts. Of course, of course you know, if, if you are looking to exploit your mobile film, whether it's at a film festival or for, as a, as a paid VOD or any sort of exploitation, you should, you know, very thoroughly read the contract that w- that you're signing to have the rights licensed and distributed. Yeah, don't just trust that because it's a big company or something that they're just, you know, everything they're saying is is going to be okay with you at some point. In my experience, distribution deals are notoriously the worst drafted. <laughs> yes, yes, and again with X, you know, the non-exclusive is. Um, is good if if you say if they're going to give you ten dollars a year which is what you might end up getting for that right um and it says that they have exclusive rights you can't go and get another 10 bucks from another streamer for that film yeah i mean every deal is different right obviously if you have something that's a hot commodity amazon or apple is going to want to make it an exclusive deal Right. Because they'll 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 pay more for it to have that exclusivity. But talking as the general, hey, I'm going to shoot this thing on my on my phone. You know, you want to get it in front of as many different paywalls um, as behind as many paywalls as possible so that people can buy your product. Yeah. Especially when people have, uh, you know, 20 subscriptions now. Um, Okay, 
what else can we talk about? Let me let let's talk a little bit about your law firm. What are some of the per, some of the services that you um, that you provide? Yeah. So so if you're a filmmaker, you know we work in all aspects of of the filmmaking process from the development ideation phase, whether that's you know acquiring rights to particular projects, hiring writers, and and getting the screenplay in shape. Um, putting the angel investor and finance agreements together, um, the, the getting the casting and, and cast attached, those initial stages in development, we help the paperwork and advise and oversee that all. Um, when when your project is fully funded and you go to Greenlight, we're there to help you set up your boots on the ground locations uh, where you'll be filming out of, getting your transportations in place, getting your set pieces, getting your actors to work, um, getting your permits. Um, if you're filming in any particular city, we'll we'll help final credit review. Um, we'll do the music licensing for your film and we'll negotiate the distribution deal. Um, on the flip side of that, if you are a, a piece of talent, whether that's an actor or a news host or, or a writer being engaged by a producer, someone who's being paid to be a creative piece of talent will help negotiate your paperwork and make sure that you're not being taken advantage of um, and that everything is, is in line within your paperwork and that you're going to be paid on time. Do you also provide like agent services for um, celebrities and things? So, so we we say that we don't ever replace an agent or a manager. You know, we can certainly give advice like an agent or a manager, but we don't procure work the way that an agent or manager work would. We we don't go door to door and help people find jobs. Right. That's that's probably helpful to you. <laughs> so you're not like a headhunter. For, uh, <laughs> well, we're not a headhunter, but, we, but we, we can advise a very, you know, I have lots of filmmakers that come in with projects all the time. And, and as a as a, you know, business and legal affairs expert, I can tell you, well, this film will never be made because of X, Y and Z reasons. Or you should change this thing or that thing so that, you know, it's easier to secure financing. Um, we, we do have a lot of insight into the overall filmmaking process and how to make it a path of least resistance. We, we're just not a headhunter the way that an agent is. I'm always surprised at, um, I mean, I've worked for, for some uh, independent, very low budget films that um, have, <laughs> during the casting calls, they get some some pretty, you know, in interesting actors that you've seen in some Hollywood films uh, regulars and TV shows and things like that. And, and mm -hmm. a lot of people don't think they have a way to, to do that. I would just say, you know, make sure that you have a great story to tell because once you put out that casting call, especially in anywhere, you know, even North San Diego, you're going to get Holly, some Hollywood actors that will line up for the part, right? Yeah, and, and always think about how can you entice actors to come on board a project in a way that, you know, isn't just their acting services. Can can you put them behind the camera and help them get a first-time directing position? Um, can you have them help write a little bit of piece and give them a writing credit? What what can you do to entice an actor to come on board as a, as a producer and help get your project made if it's, you know, someone that is a big enough fish and has a little clout in the industry? Yeah, 
uh, I actually worked with Kevin Dobson, uh, and he was giving the director advice, who was a first-time director. It was his, his, his baby film. But he was giving him advice, and one of the reasons why, uh, you know, the production manager was a good, she's still a great friend of mine, uh, was telling me, well, you know, actors know that if the film doesn't go well, uh, that, you know, it, it may never make it, so they're wasting their time. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, how can people reach you? I know that we ha- we're going to have links to your website and social media and all that there, um, and it's uh, lastingentertainmentlaw.com for your website. Which also Correct. has all your <laughs> credentials and social media links and things like that. But just for someone, something simple, what is your um, your Instagram? Yeah, if you're trying to find us on Instagram, we're real easy. It's just at Lasting Law. Um, and we're working on getting our TikTok up as well. Awesome. Can't wait to see you dancing. <laughs> I don't know if you'll see that, but we'll, we'll have some cool content. That's for sure. <laughs> that's great. All right. Uh, any any last words? <laughs> Not like you're going to die or anything, but say goodbye to our listeners, Josh. Thank you, Susie. Thank you, audience, for having me. It was, it was a real pleasure.